This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover extraordinaire. I'd like to start a new series that I think will be interesting and fun, and I want to call it The Psychology of the Cat. Now, I have a friend here with me, Dr. Lisa Radosta. She is a veterinary behaviorist and also a fear-free certified professional like I am, and she and I were talking about a lot of things about how people don't necessarily know what their cat is telling them through body language. And um, Dr. Radosta said, oh, I could go on and on. So I invited her to come here with me on the show. And let's just talk about everything you ever wanted to know about the mystery that is your cat. So we'll be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And I have with me Dr. Lisa Radosta. Hi, Dr. Radosta. Hey, how are you? I am doing great. I am really excited because I know you because you and I are both fear-free certified professionals. And I know that you have a lot of expertise and a lot of things to share with my listeners about understanding their cat. So first, I want you to tell my listeners what you do and what makes you sort of a cat expert. So I am a board certified veterinary behaviorist and the translation of that is veterinary psychiatrist. So veterinarian who did a residency and completed the board exam and all of those things to get boarded in veterinary psychiatry. What we do every day is see dogs, cats, birds, and small mammals at our clinic that have serious emotional disorders that disrupt their life or that and really that disrupt the lives of their pet parents. And we use all kinds of modalities, right? Not just behavior modification, but we manage the environment. Sometimes we use medications. Well, that's very exciting. I am sure that some of my listeners were not aware that a service like veterinary psychiatry existed. I am, of course, aware of that, but I want to just sort of have a conversation because I know that you have a lot to say. And I kind of want to start with, what do you think people are getting wrong about their cat and what their cat is trying to tell them or show them each day? Wow, that is the million dollar question. I think there are two different compartments, I'll call them. 
compartment is the neurochemical or behavioral compartment and the other is all the other body systems. You can tell I'm a specialist because I know there's one compartment, which is all the stuff I love. And then there's all that other stuff, right? So the the neurochemical part, the emotional part that I think they're missing is they are missing what their cat is saying and ignoring those signals, causing misunderstandings that lead to swatting or biting or breaking down of the human animal bond. And just for a second, if I could address the other compartment, which is all other body systems, I think that my cat pet parents are missing that their cat could be sick. And it's very easy for us to say he's okay. He looks okay. He is eating, he's drinking, he's urinating, he's defecating. But unlike a dog where we have little to no hesitation, now yes, we have dogs who are fearful and anxious, but pet parents of dogs, if you survey them, are more likely to take their pet to see a doctor if it's a dog as opposed to if it's a cat. And so even if your dog is limping a little, you might say, let me just bring him in. If your cat's limping a little or not jumping up on to the back of your sofa anymore or hiding more, you might be more likely to say he's a cat. And you might not be as likely to bring him into the doctor's office because it's such an ordeal to bring him in. So there's the misconceptions about whether or not your pet is really well. And then there's the misconceptions about what is your cat saying to you and how can you be more respectful because you already are loving. If you're listening to this podcast, you're loving to your cat. How can you be more respectful of your cat's voice so that you have an even deeper positive relationship? Well, I was going to say, as you were starting into that, you know, that's kind of why I was inspired to become a part of the fear-free movement, because I think we don't see cats because it's it's awful sometimes to take your cat to the vet and cats become overlooked and underserved. So I'm glad that you brought that around because I was going to say that too. So you're saying that the first thing people need to consider is the overall physical health of their pet. Is that what I'm understanding? You are understanding absolutely correctly. And I think you probably at your hospital work as a team. I work as a team with three residents that I have. And I will tell you that what they have reminded me of, because I not only see my cases, but when you supervise a resident, you see everybody's cases, right? Is that so much of what cats are presented for is not neurochemical. It's not psychiatric. So they get through the referral system, they go to their primary, most of them, then they come to see us. And yet we are sending them home back to go to their primary for a further workup. Pica, eating things that you're not supposed to, like whether it be a rug or plastic or chewing on wires. Those kitties need a GI workup. Defecating or urinating outside the litter box. Those kitties need an orthopedic workup. One of my doctors, one of my residents, when she was early in her residency, saw a cat who was defecating outside the litter box and she recommended a dental. She did a full dental exam because we examine our patients unless they're too stressed for us to do so. And then we prescribe medications and examine them when we can alleviate that stress. But on that initial exam, the teeth were horrible. Just doing that changed the defecation in the litter box. Cats are, I'm not going to say they're not forthcoming because I think that's a fallacy. They are forthcoming. We're not listening to them. And if you're not looking for the whisper, 
and, and this I'll attribute to the person I first heard say it, Oprah Winfrey. If you don't listen for the whisper, the next thing you will hear is a shout. So if you don't look at the fact that your cat cannot jump up onto the top of your island in your kitchen as easily as he could a year ago, that's the whisper. The shout is that he can't make it into the box anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, so they're shouting with their poop. And, and you'll <laughs> listen. You'll listen. You'll listen then. I'm telling you. bet you will. Yes. So that brings me, you had sent me some questions that you maybe hear in your exam room or, or kind of in your travels through the world of feline psychiatry. Something that you thought pet owners needed to know, how do I know if my cat is upset? Mm, yeah, so that's an easy one. We've got ears, eyes, tail, body position. So ears, when a kitty starts to get upset, his ears will go. And I say he because my my black kitty who rules the household is a he. So it comes to mind first. But of course, this applies to male and female kitties. The ears are going to go out to the side. And that's that kind of airplane ear. I'm getting agitated ear. That tells you you need to stop. Whatever it is you're doing now, even if you perceive it is something that your kitty enjoys. I'm explaining to you right now, he doesn't enjoy it. So stop it. Don't do that anymore. Pupils. So many of our kitties have those beautiful light eyes. Mine has these gorgeous yellow green eyes. And so it's very easy for me to see when his pupil, and for those of you who aren't on a veterinary healthcare team, that's the black part in the middle. That should be like a little almond, little skinny almond, like an almond sliver in a brightly lit room. When you see that almond sliver get to be a basketball, so it's round, whether it's round and really big or just round, your kitty is starting to get very worried, concerned, stressed, anxious. Stop what you're doing. Stop it. Don't do that anymore. If you see that his body position changes from paws out in front to paw underneath or body curving now back with the weight shifted to his hind end, or if you see that ever-present tail thumping, your cat's agitated. Your first behavior that you should perform is to take a step back, stop petting, stop medicating, stop whatever it is that you stop vacuuming, whatever it is you're doing, just stop and look at your kitty. If your kitty recovers pretty quickly, pupils are coming back down, ears are going forward, tail is not thumping, you're getting an idea that what you were doing just then was really not fun for your cats. That's the first thing that I want people to look at is ears, eyes, body position, and tail. So back to the the medical issues though, because do you feel like medical issues could shorten the fuse, maybe make a kitty more reactive to the sound of the vacuum cleaner or whatever if he or she was already ill? Yeah, so I'm gonna use more forceful wording than you use. I'm gonna say it's not my feeling, I'm going to say it is. It is fact. We know that you and I, at least I, when I don't feel well, I have a shorter fuse. We know that when the body is under stress, which it will be with illness, whether that be a chronic illness like orthopedic disease or diabetes or whatever it is, the body's under stress. And that stress is not just a word. It is neurochemistry and it's neuro hormones that are released in the body. So when that body's under stress, we know that that animal will have a lower tolerance for those other things that may irritate him. So that's absolutely true. And the animals that come into our clinics, we have three locations that come into any of our clinics 
get a medical workup. They either come with it from their primary care or it's done here. Again, unless the pet's too stressed, then we medicate and get it done. But we do a really complete workup. And the things we find really are, I'm going to say pretty frequently, we find something that contributes to the health of the kitty. Yeah. Well, I find a lot of dental disease that is very, very painful. And that cannot be really understated because cats get really painful dental disease. And I've done shows about dental disease, but I want to throw that plug in there because you said the cat with the dental pain was was pooping outside the box. And there are lots of cats with dental pain. So that's just one thing that it could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I have to say to people is there isn't an excuse anymore on either side of the fence. The veterinary healthcare team has the ability to help your cat go to the veterinarian's office with very little stress. We have the power now. We know exactly how to do it, man. There's no excuse on that side of the fence and there's no excuse for the pet parent because we have the power now to help you, to help your cat. And so if you need that help, advocate for your pet and say, I really wanna bring my pet in. You can even say it on the phone to the client care representative who picks up the phone. Hey, I really wanna bring my kitty in. He's really stressed. Can one of the doctors or can my doctor help me out by prescribing something for my kitty? Now, there are nuances to that. If the doctor hasn't seen your kitty in five years, that's not going to happen. But if it's within a year, most doctors will give you something. It depends on your doctor. But reach out and advocate for your kitty because there's no excuse anymore. We can do this now. You know, and that's gotten so much better. I I would say almost every day I see at least one pet that could not see another veterinarian because of fear and anxiety. And we find a way to help. So you're right. There's no excuse anymore for kitties to be underserved. We'll, we'll find a way. So we all want kitties to be happy. And we all, we all want kitties to be healthy. And there are lots of other things that we need to consider when it comes to kitties being happy. So can you give us some advice about things that we could do to help make sure our kitties are happy? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, we are already discussed this. I'll just remind you, give your kitty a voice. And I want to say, I'm a cat mom. This is really hard. It's hard. I'm short. I'm five feet tall. My cat is 17 and a half pounds and he is a little chunky, but he is a big cat. So the reason I'm telling you this is because I can stand up without crouching and I can reach the mid to end of his tail while he's standing. So it's very hard for me to walk by him. If he's standing, I like to take his tail in my hand and just run my hand up the tail. I love him. I love his fur. I love him, right? But that kind of behavior on my part doesn't give him a voice. He does not have a chance to decline. He does not have a chance to say, I like it. And so even though I really enjoy that, if he's lying on the counter, I like to run my hand from his head to his back. I love him. He doesn't appreciate that because he doesn't get a voice. So what I've learned with my cat is, and I want you to do this with your cat, even if your cat is like the most lovey-dovey, smushy, furry, cute cat in the world. See if your cat wants to be petted. We're going to call this a consent test. And you're going to adhere to the rules that your cat has the right to say no. So I'm going to walk up to my kitty who's sprawled out on my bar in the kitchen. And I'm going to walk up and kind of hold out a finger or two. If kitty pushes on my finger with his nose and bunts me, I'm going to pet. If kitty declines, I'm going to have some self-control and walk away. This test could be used even if kitty is on your lap or next to you or on the back of the couch. 
Consent gives the kitty control, which which I know that everybody likes to be in control. But what I will tell you is that when you're in control, you're less anxious and you're happier. This is well proven in human beings and in mammals. Okay. So that little bit of self-control on your part gives your cat a feeling of control, makes him happier, less aggressive if he's aggressive as well. Number two, enrich his environment. Cats are under enriched they live inside of our house, thank God, because now they live to be 25, right? We love that. Or they live on our screened porch and in the house, but we don't have so many indoor-outdoor cats anymore. And as a result, we've taken an extremely intelligent social, which is the fallacy that they're not, social creature, and put them in a box inside this cement you know, block house. And we need to be really enriching. I don't mean Go to Petco and, or PetSmart or any of the big stores and get the little balls they sell. No, go to Petco and PetSmart and online to Amazon and wherever you shop in Google or wherever you go and look for toys that are interactive. They're going to be everywhere that you go. Even at discount stores, I find them all the time where I go to get like discount clothing or whatever. And we're looking for things that your cat can push, like a lever he can push or something he can move in order to get food to come out. We're looking for things with feathers that move on their own that are motorized. So we're looking for you to think outside of the box in order to enrich your cat's life. And then I want you to think about your cat's basic needs. That's kind of the third way we're going to think about this. Basic needs include really what we think about, and I know that you know this because you went to vet school and we learned about the five freedoms. We want to think about those, freedom from fear, anxiety, and stress. If your cat is hiding during thunderstorms, your cat probably has thunderstorm phobia. Did you know that cats get separation anxiety? So address that fear, anxiety, and stress, whatever it is. Freedom from pain. If your cat is not mobile, there's a reason your cat's not mobile. Let's get that checked out. Freedom from thirst or hunger. How are we going to feed these cats? Do you need to get a water fountain so that your cat will drink more? Does your cat need canned food? Is that what your vet wants you to feed so that your cat will have a greater water intake? Do we need food toys? How are we feeding our kitties so we're maximizing their wellness, really? And we want to think about also the ability to engage in species-specific activities. Just putting a hammock near a window and allowing your cat to watch the dragonflies outside gives him a greater sense of well-being and wellness. Those are my three kind of biggies that I want people to think about. Well, I love laying in a hammock and watching the dragonflies. <laughs> so, so that sounds great. I think somebody <laughs> needs to consider my freedoms. <laughs> well, um, so I think we probably need to take a break. But when we get back, I want to touch on something that you mentioned about aggressiveness. So everybody stay tuned for just a minute. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. If you're attacked by a bear, a dog will throw himself into the mouth of a bear to save you. Dogs are dogs. They pour out their love onto you. Before long, you can't live without them. I have a chocolate cocker spaniel named Lady and a blackmouth cur. He's about 120 pounds, and his name is Arlo. My little cocker, her coat's as soft as a stuffed animal. They're both real soft coats, and my dogs don't have any health problems because they're eating what they need to eat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is like pouring a multivitamin right onto their food. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. 
We'll be scooping our Dynavite onto the food, then squirting the liquor chops and the fish oil. They start salivating. Dynavite is nutrition. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. It's a lot of responsibility owning a dog. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So, Dr. Radosta, the board certified veterinary behaviorist or animal psychiatrist, if you will, and I have been talking about all kinds of ways to know what your cat needs and to meet those needs in an effective way. But she did talk about respecting your cat's ability to say no. And I wanted to kind of talk about what happens if we don't and how does that escalate and what can we do about aggression when cats become aggressive, Dr. Adasta? That's a great question. Aggression is becoming, we are seeing it in the clinic more and more commonly where I think before we saw a lot more of elimination outside the litter box. We still see that, but we see more aggression now, which actually gives me hope because I think people are recognizing it and they're knowing that there is a solution out there. So I love that we are seeing these kitties. So aggression is going to fall into some categories. So let's do some categorizing of that now. There's play aggression, which is entirely preventable if we just think about how we play with our kitty and we enrich our kitty's lives. So no playing with hands or feet, no under the sheet game, no gloves with feathers on them that you move around, making sure your kitty is well enriched at times when you're walking around with your fuzzy slippers that he likes to attack. So that is a separate compartment. But the compartment I really want to talk about today, the category is going to be fear, anxiety, or stress modulated aggression. And If you've been listening to this whole podcast, you've already heard me talk several times about elements of respecting your cat's boundaries, of giving him a voice, giving him the ability to say no, and reading his body language. So once you start reading your cat's body language and respecting it, you will see a decrease in aggression. So let's say, for example, I have a cat who bites me when I pet him for over a minute. So he comes to me. He sits on my lap, for goodness sake. He clearly wants to be petted. In my mind, he wants to be petted. So I pet him and I'm watching Project Runway. So I'm just kind of zoning out, petting him. And then at some point before the commercial break, he bites me. What really happened there? Let's dissect that out. Number one, your cat came to sit on your lap. That is not the same as soliciting petting. And the way that I help my pet parents understand this is I say, here, let me stand next to you. Is that okay? And they say, yeah. And I say, now, did you just just give me permission to hug you? Or do I just have permission to stand next to you? And they're like, no, no, we don't want you to hug us, Dr. Radasta. I'm like, okay, well, that's what your cat's doing. He hasn't solicited petting unless he's bunted you, unless he's really tried to solicit that attention. But he would like to lie on your lap. So first we hear the cat. What have you asked for, right? We didn't do that. We just started petting. Then we did it absently. We didn't watch our kitty. Guarantee you kitty's tail thumped, pupils dilated, or ears went back. I promise, promise, if, especially in the early stages of this type of aggression, this kitty is showing you body language. So then you missed it. So then he's talking to you and you weren't listening. So he bit you. And I liken this to the other day when my daughter had to get ready for Taekwondo and I was in the kitchen and I said, okay, guys, let's get ready. My husband, and my daughter. Okay, let's get ready. Nothing. Five minutes. 
okay, you have to leave. So finally I yelled, get ready. Well, of course they scramble around like cockroaches getting ready because they didn't listen to the earlier times I had said, you have five minutes, you have five minutes. And that's what the kitty is saying is that I'm done. But if you're not watching, you don't know he's done. So he bites you. And here's the final cherry on the Sunday that seals the deal is that the kitty learns that the best way, the most effective way, the quickest way to communicate with you is to bite you because you don't listen. So now he has learned in that moment, and that will be reinforced over time, most likely, that biting is the way to communicate most effectively. And he will eventually, most likely, choose that way of communication. And that is when kitties usually come to see me. So you're saying that when I tell my son to hurry and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he doesn't hurry. And I have to scream that I am learning that screaming is the only thing that works. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I think you're right because I pretty much start with screaming. So, <laughs> so okay. I'm like a cat. So, yes. All right. So, we're learning that we're we're watching eyes, ears, body posture, and tail for everybody out there. And, you know, as I reflect on my cats all my life and what Dr. Radasta is saying, I can think of instances where I didn't respect what my cat was trying to tell me. And I bet all of you can too. Well, so Dr. Radasta, this has really been fun and I've learned a whole lot in a very short length of time. And I'm pretty sure that my listeners have as well. But we have lots of other things we want to talk about in the psychology of the cat. So we're going to wrap up our first episode here and we are going to return. So absolutely, listeners, please come back for the next part. And Dr. Radasta, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, listeners, you all know I want you to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.